Hey guys, this is Mary, and before this week's episode of Spin, I just wanted to make sure that you're all aware that this is the second part of the two-parter entitled Prometheus Fix-It Fic, which we did with Kat about the Silmarillion and elves in the Lord of the Rings universe. Uh, So if you haven't listened to that one first, you should go back and do that. In terms of exploring the plot of the Silmarillion, you really should start with part one first, and I'll link that down below in case you need it. That's most of the setup I can work on right now. I forgot about the sun and the moon. That doesn't matter. The sun and the moon exist at this point. Sorry, they didn't before. They do now. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I'm going to need you to backtrack a little bit Yeah, same. (laughs) Okay, so when the trees died, um, they took a flower from one and a fruit from the other, and they made the sun and the moon out of these, and they have two two angels go around the planet to be the sun and the moon to try and keep night and day in balance, but the moon is in love with the sun, so he keeps chasing her around, and that's why you see the moon in the sky at the same time as the sun, is because the moon's in love with the sun, but also... Mary is making the dorkiest face right now. (laughs) That's really beautiful, though. Like, (laughs) it's one of my favorite stories, if I'm being honest. That's a beautiful story. I love it. It's one of my favorites, and I'm gross like that. Anyways, That's I'm a very sucker cheesy for romance. And sappy. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely good content. I will fight you. That's like a good okay, story. Okay, I like sappy shit too, but like that's really over the top, but I'm not like hating. Okay. But it is extremely over the top. Okay. I still but, love But like it. it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, speaking of over the top love stories, we are now yes. into a very critical one, the human man baron and the elven uh, princess Luthien, who is the elven princess of the Sindar. At what point do humans start existing in this universe? Humans started existing was... on the first First day that the sun rose into the sky. Okay. Cool. Is that why there's like a, a thematic, like aesthetic, like visual connection between the the humans and like the the sun motif? I guess. In yes, this? that is why they're the children of the sun. Is what um, they are sometimes called. That's, that's also yeah, lovely. That's good shit. Like, uh, one, I don't remember who it is, but one of the people in the fucking movie has a crown that's shaped like it, a sun with some sun rays on it. That's oh, yeah. Cool, cool shit. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it's Hopefully, still Hopefully, but I don't trust Peter Jackson, so I can't say for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't trust him. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, this is so super off topic, but I really love the whole... I love... Thematically through history and mythology, the idea of a god's chosen people being called the children of the sun. Like, Ra was the sun god, so, like, in, um, Mm -hmm. in Egyptian mythology, people who worshipped Ra were called the children of the sun. That's fantastic. Time to start our own religion. (laughs) (laughs) Be called the children of... I don't know, I'm trying to... The children of the gays. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) gays and cats okay that's my brand okay so anyway let's go back to talking about this love story yeah baron luthien the thing about the sindar forest the cinderin forest is that people aren't supposed to get in because it's got magic enchantments that make it so that people get lost and then get spat back out the king was like i don't want any men to ever come into my kingdom because they're dirty and nasty and i don't like them well, joke's on him, because one makes it in, because that's just the doom of it, which is another word for fate. They Instead of using fate in the Silmarillion, they call it doom. 
I love that, and actually that makes perfect sense to me. Charlie, um, do you know why that makes perfect sense? No. <laughs> do you know why that makes perfect sense, Kat? I'm not entirely sure what you're getting at. Okay, so let me tell you this thing that I learned in college, putting my good college education to use for my podcast. But, okay, so um, freaking Jert was a, uh, a medieval and not, not a classic scholar. He was a medieval scholar, so he would have been... Like uh, Middle Ages? Yeah, I think so. Ye old English. <laughs> I think English. so. I think so. Because, like. I know he studied uh, Old English, Middle English, and then, like, a couple of other yeah. languages. Yeah. Like, Finnish, maybe. Yeah, my understanding, my understanding of Jert and Lord of the Rings was that Lord of the Rings grew out of his background in that whole uh, time period and kind of history. In Beowulf, uh, Doom as Fate is a very big. It's like one oh, yeah. of the two main themes of Beowulf. You've read Beowulf. Right? I've read Beowulf in, in um, different languages, yes. <laughs> I read it in, um, I read like the modern English translation. I read, uh, I guess, like Shakespearean era English translation. And then I read it in its original form, which I did not understand a lot of, mm. but I got some of it. Okay. Like actual, I don't know if it's Old English or Middle English. Like the the language that Beowulf is originally written in is nothing like modern English. No, <laughs> so yeah. Its grammar is very I fucky. That. I know that. But, <laughs> it was a fun time. But yeah, one of the um, major themes in Beowulf is uh, learning to um, accept your doom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and um, I think I've talked. To you about this before, Charlie. Um, like a lot of people think the the written version of Beowulf that now exists um, was only Beowulf was only written down after it was adopted by Christian missionaries and adapted for use converting other Vikings. So originally, in its original oral form as a poem, nobody knows what that, what the themes and what that story was meant to be about to mm-hmm. the Viking people originally, because mm-hmm. it was adopted by Christian missionaries to spread their ideals to other people. It was like, oh well, we slightly tweaked your story so that our religion is more palatable to palatable is more <laughs> appealing to you people that we're trying to convert, but. So the whole idea of, like, accepting your doom and, like, learning to um, not fight against fate and stuff is, like, I don't know. Like, it could be Viking or it could be, like, something that the early Christians invented. And I don't know. I don't know. I think that's really interesting. But anyway, let's go back to talking about I just really like the fact that they call everything call fate doom all the time yeah so that that's the place, good the ring the place that the gods judge people is called the ring of doom which is really metal anyways okay, wait is okay. that why mount doom is called mount doom yes that makes mount doom Probably. make so much more yeah. sense to me oh my gosh yeah wow cool i learned something new today yeah same <laughs> isn't it fun yeah. <laughs> so baron goes into the woods and sees Luthien dancing and he's like, oh shit, she's hot because she's supposed to be the prettiest elf to ever exist. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I have a crush on her. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) That's valid. He 
kind of pursues her for a while, and then he they go into the city together to go talk to his, her father and be like, hey, I want to take her ma- hand in marriage. May I please? And Thingol, the king, is like, ha, 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 over my dead body. Uh, of course, a mere man wanting to marry my daughter. Okay, then, go get a Silmaril for Morgoth's crown. Ooh. Ooh. I love that. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> so, his first attempt... He, he, like, goes, and he, he doesn't, like, make any progress, so he goes to the elves to get some help, and he goes to one that's named Finrod, who lives, who is the king of Nagathrond, and so he's like, yes, of course I'll help you, because I made an oath to your ancestors that I would help you whenever I need, whenever is needed, because they saved my life once. I don't remember that story very well, to be honest. There's a lot of stories in this book, aren't there? There's a billion. <laughs> I see why it's supposedly the Bible of this universe. Yeah. Does it does it like to like jump around to between different stories in the same way that it would if you read the Bible? A little bit. Aha. Uh-huh. It's largely okay. in a timeline, but it does bounce around a little bit. Interesting. I did not know that about this book. That seems like it would be a cool format to write in, but probably not the easiest format to read. No, it's very hard to read, and that's why I understand why people don't read it, but I love it, and I want to try and put it into a plain English version so that people can enjoy the story. <laughs> Wait, is it not in English? Oh, I mean, it's in English, but it's in like literally written like the Bible. <laughs> okay, now I really want to read this, actually. It, it's really good. It's a beautifully written book. It also it makes sounds extremely dramatic. It is. So does he? How does he get the Silmarillion from the crown? So he goes to the elves, and one of them agrees to go help. And their idea is to dress up as orcs and sneak in. And Sauron is like, "Fuck you guys!" And he throws them into his pit of werewolves, and they get picked <laughs> off one by one. Pit of werewolves! Pit of werewolves! <laughs> give me! <laughs> I want to go in the werewolf pit. <laughs> And they get killed one by one, and Finrod kills a werewolf to save Baron, and he kills the werewolf with just his hands and his teeth. He literally fought a werewolf tooth and claw and won, but he also died. Yes! (laughs) Big mood! Fighting a werewolf and dying. He is boyfriend material because he's a (laughs) soft boy until he needs to fight something. Oh my god, me! Also, though, werewolves. <laughs> yes. Sauron really loves his werewolves. He's a big big gay furry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm Sauron. <laughs> anyway, I know so, what my next cosplay is. Oh my god. So, that doesn't go well, and Luthien kind of, like, has to come around, and she, like, goes to the Sons of Feanor to beg for help, and they're like, ha ha ha, no, actually we're going to capture you and force you to marry us so that we get... So that the uh, Sindar will be forced to actually like us and accept us into their realm and yada yada yada. Um, Wait, is this one of the orcs? No, this is one of the sons of Feanor. Oh. I can't remember. Was Feanor Prometheus? No, Feanor was the guy that uh, made the Feanor was OG guy who made the rocks. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So, um, but this guy's big ass dog that was given to him by the gods helps Luthien escape, and they become best friends, and the dog's name is Juan, and he is a good boy. Good. All dogs are good boys. And, um... Wait, who is this that owns the dog? Caligorm is his name. Good lord. 
There's so many names. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, struggling. that's why I'm trying that's to. Avoid I've been this. trying to give them. That's why I've been trying to give them alternate titles. Okay. Like, oh well. Genor is OG rock guy. Yes, this he's the OG only rock. One I know. Guy. Yeah. Um. So, Luthien escapes and rides this dog, and they go to the place where Sauron is, which is called the Isle of Werewolves, and um, she's like, "Come out and fight me." And so then a ton of work. Um, there was a prophecy made that the dog that the gods gave this guy would only be killed by the mightiest werewolf. So a ton of werewolves go and fight him. He kills them. Sauron turns into a werewolf. He beats the shit out of Sauron, and Sauron runs away. <laughs> and Luthien wins the, like, control of this area for a moment and releases elves and um, gets Baron back. And they go and they kill a vampire and... Luthien dresses up as a vampire, and where, uh, Baron dresses up as a werewolf, and they sneak into Morgoth's court, and then Luthien casts off her disguise, and she dances for Morgoth, and he falls asleep, because she casts magic to make him fall asleep, and her, his crown falls off his head, and they use a knife to break off, a, break a Silmaril off the crown, and then, like, but the knife breaks, so they can't get any more, but they're like, okay, well, we got the one we needed, so they run off. But they also wake up uh, Morgoth's pet werewolf, which was given to him by Sauron. And that wolf ends up biting the hand off Baron that had the Silmaril in it. Because this werewolf is evil, it starts burning him up inside, and he goes crazy and runs around Middle-earth for a while. Baron and Luthien go and live in the woods for a while, and then they go and see Thingol, the, uh, Luthien's dad, and um, he's like, well, can I marry Luthien now? Well, you don't have the Silmaril. Well, I do. It's in my hand. And then he holds up his bloody, his uh, stump where his hand used to be. <laughs> oh That's extremely good. Okay, but do they ever get it back is the question. And also, how long is the werewolf running around with the rock burning it from the inside? Because I imagine it can't do that sure. for very long. The timeline long. for many things is foggy. Okay, I'm sorry. I kind of zoned out, but all I could... I zoned out until Charlie said, how long is the werewolf running around with the rock that's burning it from the inside? And I, my immediate thought was, like when Travis eats the Grand Relic. <laughs> yeah. So, did okay. the werewolf eat the Silmaril? The werewolf ate a guy's hand with the Silmaril in oh, it. Oh, okay, cool. So, yes. yes. <clears throat> but also, the rocks are magic good, and the werewolf is evil bad. Oh, I see. So they burn each other. <laughs> yeah. I see, I see. But, but also, Sauron has an island of werewolves, which is something that I didn't know. That part I remember. That part I, I heard. I heard I, that part. I love that it. part I'm taking note of and using that in a fanfic. Do Thanks. It. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyways, so um, they then go out with the dog, the very, very good dog, and... um. Like, this werewolf gets in towards the place where they are, and so they gotta go stop him. So the good dog, Juan, ends up fighting the werewolf and dying, and they are able to get the Silmaril back from the werewolf. But Baron dies in this process, and then Luthien dies of depression, and goes to the halls of the dead, and pleads to the keeper of the dead to give her back her boyfriend, because he's mortal and has a different fate than her uh, after death. And she pleads and sings him a song that is so sad that he is moved to tears and gives her back 
the boyfriend, but with the thought process of you can either live here and I can guarantee your happiness, or you can be mortal with him and I cannot guarantee your happiness, but you will be with your boyfriend. And she's like, well, then I will be mortal and live with my boyfriend because I love him so much. And they are they get to go live, um, brought back to life, and they live on Middle Earth, and they have a Silmaril mounted on a very pretty dwarven necklace, and they live happy. I have that's tears sappy. in my eyes. That's yeah. <laughs> that's extremely sappy. Oh I my love gosh, it. I love it. That's it's one. I think it's like most people's favorite story, and it was definitely Tolkien's favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, though, I have a uh, circling back to um, uh, elves and non-elves have a different fate after death. Is that why at the end of Lord of the Rings, what's his face goes with Legolas off in the boat to wherever? Uh, Legolas, yeah, kind of, Legolas begged, well, didn't really beg. Legolas literally just took Gimli, his BFF forever. I think they're both queer, but I like to put them as friends. That's just me. Sure. But, um, they both, he, Legolas builds a boat, and they sell off into the west, west to go live with the gods in the Undying Lands. And, um, basically, Gimli's the only dwarf that gets ever this honor, and that's because Legolas snuck him in. That's wonderful. Okay, but have you seen that Tumblr post that's like, Legolas Gimli is the only valid Lord of the Rings ship, you fools. I mean, it is a good one. <laughs> that's kind of a mood. <laughs> so, anyways, mm-hmm. once this all happens, Mithras, the guy that hung out from a cliff for 30 years, um, who is also the son of Feanor, who is OG Roxman. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, so Prometheus is Feanor's son. Okay. Oh, yeah, Prometheus man. is Feanor's son. So Prometheus, also known as Mithras, decides yes. to take all his forces and try and get all the elves to like band together and go fight Morgoth. Because if this uh, princess and a human can go grab a Silmaril, then clearly they can all fight him, defeat Morgoth, and get the Silmarils back, and everything will be hunky dory and everything will be fine. Nice. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Okay, good. Um, there's, um, he gets betrayed by people and everything, and they kind of take heavy, heavy losses, and nothing goes well for him. Well, sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> Ain't that just how life is? On this bitch of an earth. <laughs> Mythros is very sad, and I love him. Yeah. I mean, you did kind of warn us that he was, like, the tragic one, so, fair. Yeah. So, um, that doesn't go well for him. Um, I'm just going to, there was a man named Turin, he's very unlucky, he causes the fall of a city, um, he fucks his sister without knowing it, he really needs glasses. Bad. That's very bad. <laughs> did you, what's that last point? He really needs glasses? <laughs> Listen, it's my favorite headcanon because he stabs his friend by stabs and kills his friend by accident because it was dark. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's just the fact this is like some bread milk eggs squick kind of shit going on here. He fucks his sister. He really needs glasses. <laughs> A dragon makes his sister forget everything. She runs through the forest. He sees her af- like after years and years, and he hadn't seen her since she was a wee little baby. So he doesn't know it's her. Mm-hmm. They-, they get married. Then she- um, then he kills the dragon. 
but that dragon also kills him after it's already been immobilized and subdued and everything, so, you know, he's not good at anything. And um, his sister remembers, the dragon makes his sister remember that she, she is his sister. She, and she thinks he's dead, and she's like, goodbye my twice love, for you were my brother love, and my husband love, and now I, and then she threw herself off a waterfall. I'm I'm trying to think of some version of this meme that's like if character <laughs> and fancy rock are both about to fall off a cliff, catch me at the funeral with my fancy rock. Exactly. Actually, that is which character does this work for? We gotta know. <laughs> Let's quickly run over another kinslaying. The uh, Mythros is like, hey, um, now that Baron and Luthien have died of mortality, um, let's go attack their son and kill their son if he doesn't give us that rock, which mm-hmm. they do. And then that leads to Luthien's granddaughter. Her name is Elwing. She runs away with the Silmaril. Nope. I don't know. I'm getting a little bit mixed up here, but um, the Silmaril ends up with Luthien's father, but um, he ends up like doing a dirty deal with the dwarves and not giving them their dues, and so they end up getting in a fight. Thingol is killed, Luthien's dad is killed, and then um, Doriath is now vulnerable because there's no magic spells because uh, reasons. So Doriath, the kingdom of the Sindarin, falls. Um, yeah, and... aren't they the ones that the, the... There's one dialect of Elvish that's Sindarin. Yeah. And if their kingdom falls, why does that dialect of Elvish still exist? Well, they didn't exactly all die. They ended up all going, like, the survivors went somewhere and kind of stayed there. Okay. World building. (laughs) And so, um, that kingdom falls. And then, meanwhile, Myglin ends up betraying Gondolin. And telling them where Go- uh, the fact that Gondolin was hidden from Morgoth was something Morgoth hated. Morgoth wanted to figure out where it was, so my- he captures Myglin. Myglin tells him where it is because Myglin thinks that because Morgoth says, "Oh yes, if you tell me where Gondolin is, you can rule it yourself, and you can also marry your cousin." That's cool. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, the one who wants to marry his cousin. Awkward. Yeah. So he he. Uh, tells where Gondolin is and he waits like seven years pass after that and then Gondolin gets attacked by a bunch of Balrogs um, a guy named Ecthelion kills the leader of the Balrogs by after he had lost his sword and he sp- stabs it with his unicorn helmet basically and suplexes it into a fountain that he had made and they both thr- drowned in that fountain <laughs> That's an extremely good way to die. <laughs> yeah, I know, I Suplexed love into a unicorn helmet. Okay, but also, who's currently, at this point in the story, in possession of the one rock that isn't in the guy's helmet anymore? Um, currently, that would be the granddaughter of Luthien. Her name is Elwing, and she has fled to a place. A place. Okay. I don't really, I don't remember the name, nor do I really want to get into names. Okay, That's cool. fair. I, and, I thought when you just said a place, you meant like, oh, no one knows where she is. But you just mean a place that you don't remember the name of. Yeah. Okay. And then um, some of the inhabitants of Gondolin escape because this 
the daughter of the king had made a secret path out of Gondolin for everyone to escape in case something bad happened, which something bad happens, and they escape, and a guy named Glorfindel ends up killing a Balrog, but also grabbed by his beautiful golden hair and pulled down into the pit with the Balrog, and they both die. Okay, does the book describe him as having beautiful golden hair? I mean, his name is Glorfindel, which means golden hair, and he's very known for his hair. (laughs) I like how everyone in this book is named after, like, a good quality or something. Like, there's that one guy who's, which is the one with, his name just means, like, good eyes or something. Myglin. Myglin. Hot. (laughs) (laughs) It's very Homeric in a way. Like, Homeric epithets, you always have... Odysseus is always... I can't remember any of them, but, like... They all have that little thing that's tacked onto the end of Mm -hmm. their name as, like, a descriptor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, doesn't Night Vale do that, too? Like, uh, (laughs) you know, the farmer? The faceless old lady that secretly lives in your face? Okay. (laughs) Secretly lives in your face. face. (laughs) Okay, slight, slight (laughs) sidebar so I can talk about another thing I really like about Welcome to Night Vale. Okay, I was taking a class once, and we were going over um, things that were, like, markers of evidence that um, pieces of fiction had originally existed as oral traditions, and there was, like, um, stories that were originally oral and were later written down, like, the Iliad and the Odyssey and Beowulf and yada yada have this and this and this and this, this whole list of things, and I remember reading through it and thinking... Welcome to Nightvale does every single one of these. Is That's Welcome to Night is Welcome to Nightvale an epic poem? It actually okay, I've been meaning to write up like a formal essay on this for like three years now and I that still would haven't. Be epic. But yeah. It's so whoop it's very cool. One of these days I'm gonna like put it all together. But let's Okay, what are the things on that list though? Because I wanna know if they apply to the Silmarillion too. Okay, literally okay, I cannot remember all of them because there's a ton of them but if you want to like look up the list the thing that i got it from was from a chapter um the book was called orality and literacy by walter j ong who was a jesuit priest writing about um the history of literacy in like i think it was like the late 80s so probably it's like there's probably some problematic or outdated ideas in there but um And then the chapter, I don't remember what chapter it was, but it was talking specifically about, like, um, the markers of oral culture or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you can find the book as a PDF online. I used to have a copy of it on my, like, saved on my hard drive on my computer, but I don't have it anymore. And I've been meaning to buy a copy of it for a long time just so that I can, like, mark up that chapter for this <laughs> Welcome to Night Fail For this project. essay you want to yeah, write? Yeah, but nice. the, only, the only ones that I ever specifically remember are um, uh, epithets, so like descriptors that are attached to excuse me, that are attached to a name. So John Peters is always followed by John Peters, you know, the farmer and Old Woman Josie. It's always Old Woman Josie. It's like he never just calls her Josie, even though apparently they've been friends for like his entire life. And uh, there are a couple of other characters that are. There's also like, like the that. recurring, not like specific wordings that are used over and over again, mm-hmm. but repeatedly describing a character the same way. Like, there's always talk about Carlos's beautiful hair. Yeah. Or when they're talking yeah. about old woman Josie, there's always like some mention of like her thing with the angels. Yeah. And I feel like always... that's a thing yeah. that is 
So oral storytelling. Yeah, repetition. Uh, uh, yeah, repetition uh, epithets, and um, there's those are the only two that I like. The main ones that I remember, and the one I always remember the repetition one by thinking about. Um, in I think it's the Iliad. It might be the Odyssey. In either the Iliad or the Odyssey, they always describe the sunrise as when dawn with her rose red fingers, blah 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 blah, across the sky and the wine dark sea. Oh yeah. Um, like those two descriptors are used over and over and over again, and um, a lot of people think that it's because um, if you're telling a story from memory, you have to have certain points that you repeat that same phrase over and over again. One, to mark when you've gotten to the next set. It's like at the beginning of a paragraph to like tell yourself, like in your head, okay, so this is the beginning of this section and also to give yourself time to like buffer a little bit. Yeah, so, so that you, you can say, think about telling the yeah, next part. Yeah, so you say this bit that's just rote memorization while your brain loads the next part of the story. <laughs> Relatable. Okay, but now I'm also curious if these are all markers of oral storytelling. Would these things exist in written versions of the Bible? Because those stories were also oral before they were written down as well. At least okay. the Old Testament were. Okay, I could literally talk an entire episode just about stuff I know about the Bible. So let's not get into that Okay, yet. but jumping off of that then, if the Silmarillion is like this world's version of the Bible, does it do that too? Because that would be feeding even more into like the way that it functions supposedly as like the Bible of this world if it follows those written, I guess, tropes as well. Yeah, that I'm would gonna be cool. try and see if it does because I'll keep that in mind because I'm in the middle of a reread of it. Mm -hmm. Give us notes. Yes. Tell us what you find. Let us know. <laughs> actually, I don't know if um, the Bible has its own separate kind of tropes that are separate from that. I know too much about biblical history. Okay, where were we in the Silmarillion, though? Because I we were got lost. Um, people escaping from Gondolin. Glorfindel, who has the golden hair, got killed. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Okay, so he got killed, and then um, what people happens? escape. Uh, it's important to note that at, by this point, Idril is married to a human man named Tuor, and they had a son named Arendelle, who is an important character. But anyways, um, so they go back to they go to the they escape to the same place that Elwing from earlier, who who has the God Rock currently. She uh, they escape to there, and so Arendelle, the this guy. Um, falls in love with this girl, who, and they're both half-elven, so, you know, it works out great for them. And they have two kids, they have twins, um, Elrond and Elros, but anyways- Elrond! Elrond finally comes in. Wait, he isn't a full elf? Nope. I didn't know that. That's yes. cool. Even more now. <laughs> so, um, Arendelle takes his boat and he sails across the sea to go to the gods to tell them, hey- Everything's fucked up where we're at. Everything is dying. Can you come save us? And Everybody knows shit's fucked. <laughs> Everybody knows shit's fucked. Wait, is that... That's a real song, right? Yeah. No? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, um, so he eventually gets to the gods, and they agree. And um, meanwhile, while he was sailing there, uh, the sons of Feanor, Mithros, uh, Prometheus comes in and he's like give us the rock or die and mm -hmm. the and Elwing the mother of Elrond's like no fuck you you guys 
where, where are my children? Are my children safe? You probably killed them. I hate you guys. You guys killed my dad. I hate you. You probably killed my children. She thinks the children are dead. Really, Mythros and his brother have the children, and they end up taking care of the children because they don't have parents at, after that, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Rip in peace. <laughs> so, El, uh, Elwing, thro- uh, the mother of Elrond, throws herself off a cliff into the ocean, and the god, the angel of the ocean, turns her into a big, beautiful white bird, and she has the Silmaril on a necklace, and she flies off to go find her husband and finds him. So they both are sailing to the land of the gods. She and they have the Silmaril, and um, so the gods agree that to this guy's like, "Hey, come help us!" But they're like, "Okay, here's what we need you to do. You're going to fly acro- across the sky and." in a flying boat we make you, wearing the Silmaril, so that you are a new star in the sky, a star of hope for people to look to. I love that. that. Yes, it's fantastic. So that's Elves are super extra, first of all, for throwing herself off a cliff, and then becoming a bird, and then becoming a star. That's extra as hell. Yes, it's fantastic. But also goals. (laughs) Valid. So, So this guy becomes a star. Does Oops. she become a star because she has the shiny rock, or uh, does that, like, get lost? The shiny rock point? is the star, yeah, basically. Hmm. Okay, well, what happens to the people who are trying to get to the shiny rock from her, then? Are they just, like, totally fucked at this point? Because I thought they needed that for some sort of magic Well, they, they swore an oath that they would follow it, or else they'd be cursed to outer darkness forever. Hmm. So, it's their eternal well-being at, at this point. <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah. So um, the um, the man and wife that become the star, they, they are told, because they're both half-elf, they can choose to be elves or humans, and their children and their bloodline from then on will get to choose whether they get to be man or elves, which is why Elrond's daughter, Arwen, gets to choose whether she is mortal or immortal, and she chooses the mortal life to be with Aragorn. Ah, uh, I remember that part. Is I that, like that part. Is that the same Moonflower Pendant people? Or... Yes. Yeah, that's the ones yes. who are actually in the movie. Okay. So, um, anyways, uh, the people that were try- that were killing to get this rock are like, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, they're totally screwed now yeah. because their rock is now a star, and there really ain't any way to get that unless you, like, advance your technology enough to go to a star. A big fucking yeah. net. Get a big net. <laughs> so they- That's not how space works. <laughs> the gods come and aid the elves in the war, and they beat the shit out of Morgoth, and he gets thrown into outer darkness into the void and yay Morgoth's finally gone but most people are dead at this point hmm. <laughs> but um they get this the Silmarils are now in the possession of one of the other one of the angels and they're like and Mithras is like listen we have to get this and his brother's like there, there's two rocks left and there's only two of us left so it's clearly fate for us to get these and his brother's like, I don't want to. It's a god. How are we going to do this? Maybe if we plea, we can be forgiven of all our sins, yada, yada, yada. But he's like, well, we also made an oath to Eru, the one, the god of the gods, that we can never, ever get to. And so he can't, we can't plead for him to undo our oath that we made. So we're kind of fucked anyways. So they go and get these rocks. The angel just kind of lets them take it because they're like, well, this is just going to happen now. Mithras, Prometheus, um, his hand starts burning up. And in anguish and pain, he throws himself into a volcano committing suicide. Is that Mount Doom or a different volcano? A different volcano. Okay, <laughs> why does his hand start burning up? Did he become evil and now the judgment of he the He had the killed God a rock? lot of people to get this rock. 
Oh my god, that's so dramatic. Yeah, I like to think that he, he, by the way it's written, it kind of seems like his motives are good. Like he's the lot, largely he's in the way of protecting people and everything, but he does do bad things. And so when he gets the rock and it starts burning him alive, I feel like it was kind of a realization that oh shit, I fucked up. <laughs> Damn, that's really harsh. Yeah, yeah, and his brother, who also has one of these rocks, he he also starts burning up, and in anguish and disgust, he almost sh- throws himself into the ocean, but then just throws the rock into the ocean, and now sings on the coast really sad songs all the time. So he's still alive. Yes. And elves don't ever die, so, hmm. As far as we know he could be alive, the fate of him is unknown. Wow. That's extremely dramatic. Wow, I love elves. Thank you yeah. for this. <laughs> that was basically the Quintus Silmarillion. Um, there was a part about Numenor, but I kind of covered that where there was these really good people that helped fight against Morgoth, and they were the only people that fought against Morgoth in this war with the gods. And so they are taken to this island that's close to the gods, but not there. And they live a good life, but Sauron, they capture Sauron, and they're like, we're, you're going to be our prisoner. And by prisoner, we mean you get to um, be the advisor to the king. And so Sauron gets them to all give sacrifices to Morgoth, and then he gets convinces them to go fight the gods because they don't want to die, and so they think that fighting the gods will make it so they don't have to die. They die. And they the die. Island, <laughs> the Spoiler gets, alert, they die. <laughs> the island gets sunk, and Sauron, who used to be able to look pretty, sinks with the island because he was laughing too hard to notice the island sinking beneath him. Oh my god. Maybe <laughs> he is extra. Anyways, um, and so a lot of big cl- cataclysmic things happen, and the earth becomes round then, and the land of the gods is gone. And then the very last chapter of the Silmarillion is a summary of Lord of the Rings. Nice. Oh. Okay, but at the end of this story, then, the fate of the three magic rocks is as follows. One of them is has become a star with some couple and a bird. Yep. Uh, one of them has been thrown into the ocean. What uh, happens to the last one that just burns the guy? Does he throw it into the volcano with he, him? Does he it get goes destroyed? Into the vol- it goes into the volcano with him. So they go okay. effectively go into the sky, the sea, and the earth. Okay, I was so sure at the end of this you were going to be like, and then one of the rocks was, the magic was distributed amongst the rings so that the power was divided. No, that's and- just Sauron doing his own magic shit. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of magic shit going on here, huh? <laughs> okay, so is that the whole story of the Silmarillion? Yeah. Okay, what we're going to do now, Charlie, you and I are going to, you're going to go first. We're going to do 30-second summary of everything that just happened. <laughs> Holy shit, I can't, I don't even. Here, I okay. can do you one in 10 seconds. People okay. fight over rocks and a bunch of elves die. Okay, Charlie, what's 30 seconds? My 30-second my takeaway from all of this is that elves are extra as shit and um, rocks. No, but, but yeah. try and summarize the plot of everything oh my you God. just heard in 30 seconds. Uh, some guy made some rocks. Some demons stole some rocks. There was a lot of fighting to get the rocks back. And some guy wanted to marry his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> and also Sauron likes werewolves. <laughs> out of this i really do (laughs) (laughs) listen the fact that sauron is a furry is now my new favorite lord of the rings thing it's one of my favorites too so i mean okay 
Okay, Incredible. I already had a little bit of a crush on Elrond, but now I have learned that all I took away from this was that I need to, like, actually watch Lord of the Rings to justify my crush on Elrond. <laughs> so. You are a terrible demon. <laughs> I don't know why I'm into him. He's not even cute. Well, I'm he, immensely drunk right now. I've had three beers. He's supposed to be as beautiful as Luthien, but in man form. So, I mean, you're supposed to be allowed to have a crush on him. Okay, I well, really don't think the guy who plays him justifies that. TBH. Not very. I think, the, I think the hottest person in the Lord of the Rings movies... Uh, actually, any of them. Lee, Lee Pace is really attractive. Is I don't, hot, yeah. I don't like Thranduil, but Lee Pace is a hot boy. I like Aragorn personally. That's valid. <clears throat> what? What are you laughing at? I'm just laughing about when I die. Okay, what Lord of the Rings character would you fuck? Go. Elrond. Luthien. <laughs> Probably Samwise. Oh, that's sweet. Shut up. No, I think that's sweet. Like, the whole... All I know about Samwise is that him and... Um, He's extremely stubborn, and that's my favorite character trait in yeah, any person but all ever. all the hobbits are actually really good, and I could also go off about the Lord of the Rings all day, but that is okay, not but for today. Been, yeah, we've been recording for an hour and a half. But, like, Holy shit. My, my whole thing with... Um, I don't know very much about Lord of the Rings, as we've learned today, but what I do know about Lord of the Rings is that Samwise and What's-His-Face, the main character, Frodo. <laughs> Frodo. I can't believe you don't know Frodo's name. I am ashamed. <laughs> I'm drunk too, shut up. Are like, best, best friends, and I see a quote all the time, which is like, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And I think that's just, that's Sam lovely. is very good. That's gay and dramatic, and so am I. They are. They are very okay. gay and dramatic, and a lot of things in Tolkien are accidentally gay and very purposely dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Accidentally gay is my favorite genre. Do you know what I think is so funny about the idea of Tolkien's stuff being accidentally gay? Is that everything I have learned about his life has made me be like, that's like, honestly, an ideal queer fantasy for me. He was an English professor, him and Clive Staples Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Clive Staples. Staples Lewis. <laughs> That's his full name for BFFs. And, like, I mean, obviously, they I became never knew C.S. Lewis's full name. Yep. I mean, they were thrown together by fate and then stayed together because they have the two worst names in the history of the universe. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> but, like, they were both English professors. They taught um, at the same college. They were, like, they weren't like actually academic rivals but they had kind of like a friendly like work playful friendship rivalry they wrote um they uh wrote each other into their stories and like yes treebeard is c.s lewis yeah that's cute and um, that's pretty gay and c.s lewis put the lamp post into his story because because um, it was, I saw the actual real lamppost that inspired the lamppost in Lord of the Rings when I went to Oxford. You mean um, Narnia? Mm-hmm, yeah. What did I say? Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw the actual real lamppost when I went to Oxford. And they, like, they had a group of writer friends that hung out at this pub together. And they would go to church services together, which isn't necessarily romantic. But, like, they would go to, there was, okay, so... 
The fawn in Lord of the Rings was inspired by a door. Um, Wait, in, in Lord of the Rings? Not Lord of the Rings. In, in Narnia. In, yeah, I was about to say. There you go. Clive Staples Loomis. <laughs> Clive Staples Loomis. <laughs> but the, the Mr. Tumnus, okay, so there there's this little cobblestone side street that separates um, the church that they all, uh, that they went to from a pub. And they would stumble out, they would, after church services, they would go out the side door and walk five feet across this little cobblestone street and into the back door of this pub. And the door for the pub was this giant, elaborately carved oak wooden door that looked like a fawn. And the lamppost was up the street from there. So that's where the fawn and the lamppost come from, is the uh, two of them leaving what? church to go get drunk. <laughs> guess what? The um, From what I heard, C.S. Lewis also put the lamppost in because J.R.R. Tolkien said that no fantasy, can, good fantasy book, can have a lamppost in it, and so C.S. Lewis put it in just to spite him. Yeah. <laughs> just out yeah, of stubbornness. That's that my boy. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> I don't know, even if, that's like QPR goals. I love everything about their friendship and I wish I knew more about them. But anyway, this has been a lot of fun. I think we're going to have to split this into two different episodes. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. That's actually great because that means that, like, I don't have, we don't have to be in as much of a rush to record the next one. Yeah. Which is good because I don't know what my work schedule for next week looks like. That's fair. Okay, so Are we let's... doing these weekly? I would like to do this weekly. Oh my gosh. I feel like we're gonna run out of things to talk about. Well, I only have one special interest, Mary. I have lots and lots of them, and you have lots of friends. Okay. <laughs> you do. I love you, Charlie. Aw. Well, okay. <laughs> That's very sweet. Okay, so, um... I, my name's Mary, and you are... I have been Charlie. Yeah, and you were Cat. Yep. Do you want us to, uh, like, mention any of your URLs or anything so people can find you if they want to hassle you? If they want to come I talk mean, to you, you about... if you want to find me about the Silmarillion, Elvin Illuminati on Tumblr, it's all one word, just Elvin Illuminati. <laughs> that's, that's a very good blog. name. That's, that's a very good URL. Okay, well, thanks so much for being on the show. I had a lot of fun <laughs> learning about this. Like, okay, so... I enjoyed learning that Sauron was a furry. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for that information. Yeah. That is the only takeaway you need to have. Yep. <laughs> Elves are dramatic as fuck. Sauron is a furry. There's a lot of sappy love stories in this. Oh, yes. Yeah. Tolkien's a romantist, and I am too. Okay. Good shit. Good content. Well, I hope Good everyone night. learned something. Okay, we're going to be done recording Wait, now. we have to do an outro. <laughs> no, that was our outro. Was that our outro? That was our I outro. thought that this, was our this outro. Has been, this has been Spin, the drunk podcast where we, we get drunk and we talk about special interests. Thank you and good night. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, this is Mary again coming to you from Sunday where I'm going to be posting this, uh, the second half of this two-parter episode soon. And whew, I'm really glad that we had that little, like, buffering area in there because this past week was not a good week for me in terms of work-life balance. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Spin, the Drunk Special Interest Podcast. Um, I'm Mary, and that was my brother Charlie, and we were joined by Kat this week to talk about the Silmarillion. 
Thanks to Rye, who is Rylan underscore V on Twitter, and aquagirl.bandcamp.com for our theme music. Uh, you should go check out her work. That's aqua-girl.bandcamp.com. Uh, if you want to talk about your special interest or hyperfixation on the show, you can visit us on Twitter at spin underscore podcast or Tumblr at spinpodcast, all one word, dot tumblr dot com, or you can email us at spinpodcast, all one word, at gmail dot com. Uh, please come talk to us about stuff. We have one more person lined up to record, and I'm super excited to have them on because um, they've been, uh, it's hedgy. Uh, spoiler alert, it's Hedgie, who has been doing the um, live tweets <laughs> of our past episodes. And I'm super excited to see the live tweet that comes out of this episode. But uh, Hedgie's going to be coming on to talk about um, their relationship with... Uh, to talk about their relationship with the Greek gods and that whole pantheon. Uh, I'm very excited to have them on, and I hope that you are getting excited for that too. <laughs> Thanks for being such a good Twitter supporter of this project. We love you.